Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week I'm going to share with you a conversation I had with CJ McClanahan. Serendipitously, we found out that we actually are only about an hour away from each other, so it was cool to talk to somebody in state. CJ is the host of the Success 2.0 podcast, as well as the author of his brand new book, The Overachiever's Dilemma, How to Break the Achievement Obsession Before It Breaks You. In this conversation, we talk about the definition of success, or more specifically, how we should define success for ourselves, which then leads to making better choices about our actions and our next steps and our productivity. And in this conversation, we talk specifically at one moment about reflection, about how looking backwards on what you have succeeded in the past has done for you, and how that then is a recalibration and decision refining and making moment to then make the right decisions and actions and choices moving forward. I recently did this by sitting down and putting on headphones with the Brain.fm music tool, which was talked about a number of episodes ago. If you missed that, you can go to beyondthetodolist.com slash brainfm and try that out for free as well as get 20% off your first year if you want to try that out. Many of you have. I have seen that and have been raving about the focus that it's been giving you when you're sitting and working or reading, which is what I was doing in this reflection time, uh, or even getting naps and sleep. Anyway, check that out, beyondthetodolist.com slash brainfm. But I sat down and, uh, you know, after having this conversation with CJ and said, you know what? Reflection. Need to do some reflection. We're getting into the later months of this year. I don't necessarily run my uh, life by <laughs> the calendar or the calendar year specifically, but every quarter, every 12 weeks or so, we've talked about the 12-week year here on this conversation, here on this podcast before. Uh, it's nice to hit pause, look backwards, look forwards, and uh, take an assessment. So anyway, CJ and I talk about that as well. Uh, so yeah, I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. So let's jump right in to this conversation with CJ McClanahan. This week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show C.J. McClanahan. Welcome to the show, C.J. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So you are uh, an author, but also a podcaster. And I always love having podcasters on my show because I, I kind of say they get it. They, they know what goes into a show, or at least they have the, the presence of mind or even the presence of microphone, uh, in other words, to, to talk. And that's what people will find interesting is actually two people, two podcasters uh, talking. But your book is called The Overachiever's Dilemma, How to Break the Achievement Obsession Before It Breaks You. I love that there's a, a nod on and broken in half uh, number two pencil on the cover of this because that just gives me that that visual metaphor of somebody who's just hustling themselves to death and it, you know going after success but maybe the wrong kind of success which is what you're all about really so uh CJ before we get into what success 2.0 and what the definition of success and and all of these overachievement dilemmas can be. I want to hear a little bit more about your story, though, because obviously to have insight into this, you've got to have had some, I don't want to call crash and burn moments, but maybe that's what you want to share them as. I don't know. Sure. No doubt. Well, I am a suffering overachiever who's been through everything you can imagine. Um, My career began a long, long time ago. I went to law school right after college, and I lasted for one semester and realized this is the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. 
I didn't want to be an attorney. So then I tried another career and I worked in politics. And then I tried another career and I worked for the gigantic uh, accounting company, um, Arthur Anderson. And then I had this weird, unique opportunity to help run a manufacturing company simply because I knew a guy's daughters and I was coaching them in basketball. Fast forward, the year 2000 explodes and the internet goes crazy and I got stock options to work at a software company and I literally woke up one day in 2003 and said, I don't know what I'm doing, but this is no fun. So I'm going to start my own company. My wife was pregnant at the time and she said, with our first, by the way, and she said, are you sure about the timing here? Does this make sense for you to quit your job and take our savings to start a business? exactly the same time that we are going to have a kid. And I'm, I was like, I don't know if it is or isn't, but I just can't do this anymore. So I monkeyed around and I end up finding running into something called a franchise broker. And this franchise broker introduced me to something called business coaching. And I bought a business coaching franchise out of Brisbane, Australia, 15 years ago. And all in all, I was trying to be successful. I wanted to be this successful entrepreneur, to be this successful business owner. And I just started making cold calls out of my basement with my son bouncing in the um, little bouncy chair next to me and just praying, crossing my fingers that someone would take a meeting. And they did, but it was not easy and it took a while. In fact, I remember my first meeting, it, I probably made 300 cold calls before I got a meeting. And I, I distinctly remember where I got my first meeting. In fact, I took a picture of this guy's office. I remember walking in and he was almost laughing at me because I sounded so ridiculous. <laughs> And it has been a lot of those ups and downs ever since and taught me a lot about myself and a lot about success and how to measure it and maybe how to think differently about it. I love that story because uh, similarly, I was I was working a, a full-time job and then starting this podcast. And I also had a – well, I, I am married and let's see. There was, and I had a daughter at the time. She was probably about seven. And so that's tri a trip right there. But then we had a new kid, uh, who was just under a year old. And that was, it, it was, it was just crazy. And then, um, you know, moved out of the day job into working online and, and remote working even. And that's mm -hmm. where I've been ever since. And, and the, the show has continued to grow over the last, you know, four years since that, but I had grown the show for like the first two years. So it's been, do, it's been doing about six, but there's this, I, I think the thing that can get to be hard and can get to kind of screw with your brain is this idea. And you touch on this in the book. It's this idea of defining or maybe not even having a personal definition of what success really means. I mean, when it comes to productivity, it's all about deciding, you know, what the right next action is. Um, that's, you know, one of the things that we've talked about a lot on the show is it's, it's not about getting things done because that things always expand and fill the time and you can't get it all done. And we should talk more about that later on in the show, but that it's about getting the right things done. But the problem with that is, is if you're going towards something that's not clearly defined or defined the wrong way, even how can you truly be productive? You know, um, as you say that, when I think about productivity, I call myself a, and I'm air quoting this for your listeners, a productivity expert, which I'm not even sure I know what that means. <laughs> but I will tell you, when I've got my overachiever hat on, which unfortunately is on quite a bit, productivity to me just means busy. Mm. And if I'm busy, I feel productive. And if I'm not busy, 
I don't feel productive, which is the craziest thing on the planet, as you know, as a true productivity expert. I mean, busyness and productivity are opposite ends, can be opposite ends of this giant spectrum out there. But as overachievers, what we do is, you know, driven people, as we say to ourselves, got to do more, got to do more, got to be busy, got to be busy to the point where you can't even stop and take a deep breath every now and then because you feel like if I'm not always doing something, I'm not achieving, I'm not getting ahead, someone is surpassing me, and heaven forbid that happens. Yeah, exactly. And and it's this idea, to go back to what you were saying about, you know, maybe misunderstanding the word productivity, uh, you know, in its root, the word productivity has this producing or produce. Hmm, and, good point. you know, and, and the, but the thing is, is you can produce a lot of things, but if you're not producing the right things, then are you truly being productive? Right. And I think that's what you get at with a lot of the work that you're doing is, is, is really it's not about producing more because it's always about, you know, it, it's quantity over quality. It's not about producing more. It's about achieving success by your definition based on producing the right things. It's so, tricky. It's not it, easy. Yeah. And, and it's about naming those things. It's about it's mm-hmm. about, you know. Uh, deciding intentionally what those things are and then leveraging the energy and the time and all the other cool, fun things that we talk about in productivity towards those ends. Mm-hmm. So. so what I found um, is that when you think about this concept of success, to your point, which is, am I, am I deciding where I want to go? Am I purpose-driven in what it is that I'm doing? What I found with professionals that I've dealt with over the years is that the success that they envision in their minds is always more. So success to the overachiever today is I have to make more money. I have to get the promotion. My business has to be bigger. My house has to be bigger. My 401k has to be bigger, whatever it is. And what they've done is we have set up this grading scale that never allows us to feel good about ourselves because obviously, and certain it's happened to you and most of your listeners here today, we achieve that thing that we've told ourselves, as soon as I achieve this thing, I will feel successful. Then you achieve that thing, whether it's a promotion or the first time you made $100,000 or whatever it ends up being, you achieve it. And then your brain goes, okay, what's next? And what's next? And we keep telling ourselves that if I push hard enough, one day I'll achieve something and I'm going to feel great about it. But unfortunately, it never comes because our definition of success is out of whack. Yeah, exactly. And and it, and it isn't just – well, it is our fault. I mean, <laughs> we do kind of buy into it. We do decide, wait, I see what other people are saying success is, and we believe it. And it's even – even to a part, it's almost comparing ourselves to them. We can see other people, quote, achieving success and we equate what they've done with success for them, whether they're even right about that or not, whether they've even been intentional themselves or not with then what it should look like for us as well. Oh yeah. It, the, the, the game is the comparison game. And so if you've ever watched that, um, that great show, the men who built America, it was on the history channel, like five or six years ago. And it was about JP Morgan and Andrew Carnegie and uh, Rockefeller and a whole bunch of other successful dudes who were, I mean, gajillionaires back at the turn of the century. They make Bill Gates look poor. And they were never happy. 
And the reason they were never happy is because they would compare themselves to one another. And as soon as one of them did better, the other person would feel like, well, I'm not doing enough. And it just, it never ended. And it's the same with everyone else. We're constantly comparing. Now, that's been a challenge we've had throughout history, this constant comparison to one another. Well, then you sprinkle social media in on that bad boy. Uh. Right. I mean, yeah. five minutes on five minutes on Facebook and you can feel like the biggest loser that's ever walked the face of the earth. Yeah, because I've got I mean, I'm following and I'm friends with um, a number of other podcasters or people doing, you know, things in a similar vein. And, you know, they'll post something. And I'm like, oh, man, they had that guest. I want that guest. I wish I had right. that guest. And it's like, wait, stop it. Dude, you've had people other people haven't had and so on. And it doesn't really even matter because it's not even about that anyway. It's really about what's my measure of success. Mm -hmm. It's not about having – you were talking about how it's it's not about having more. Uh, It it really ends up being what is enough? What what is Mm -hmm. that measurement of enough? Right. Yeah. And if you don't redefine success on your own terms – The only thing you can do is more because the only way you can truly – the only way you'll measure success if you don't define it on your own terms is by comparing yourself to other people. And no matter how successful you are, unless you're LeBron James, there will always be someone better than you. Always. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's easy to look left or right and see – somebody else and say, well, they've got this or they're doing this and I'm not. So that's my next thing I need to be aiming at. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like you said, the window <laughs> to being able to look left or look right is so much bigger now because of social media and the internet. So uh, no doubt. Um, no doubt. So in the book, you start talking about this thing called the chase. And that's kind of what we've talked about a little bit here. And as I was reading this, um, I thought to myself, it's a trap. And I said it in my mind and I, I heard the voice of, uh, Admiral Akbar, the whole Star Wars meme. Right. Thing. <laughs> so, it's a trap. It's a success trap. It's a comparison trap. <laughs> Ooh, I so, like that. <laughs> so there you go. Feel free to run with that. I don't care. I, I consider it done. <laughs> um, I don't think people really understand or realize necessarily that they may be in a trap already. Um, how do we, one, gain some self-awareness in that first and foremost? And then how do we move from that self-awareness into starting to figure out, you know, what are the, what, what are the right questions we need to start asking ourselves towards our success mm-hmm. and defining our success personally? So I would say self-awareness comes from, I mean, just look back at your life and I've done this with folks before, and I said, tell me about the last time you set a goal and really crushed it, and you thought to yourself, I will feel amazing when I set that goal, and then they'll tell me about it. It was when I graduated from law school or whatever it ends up being, and I'm like, how long did you enjoy that? A week, a day, a month, okay? But you remember, at the time, you thought, as soon as I achieve that goal, I will be successful and I'll feel great and content and full of joy and that sort of thing. And you didn't. In the beginning, once you begin to look at your own history and you begin to recognize that this acquisition or this achievement never provides you with the fulfillment you were hoping it would, that self-awareness begins to go, ah, and you begin to ask yourself this, you, you begin to question yourself like, 
like Einstein pointed out, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over. And you begin from a self-awareness standpoint to go, wait a minute, maybe constantly achieving and constantly telling myself that that next thing is the key isn't going to eventually give you uh, the feeling that you want because ultimately we're searching for a feeling in some way, shape, or form. The minute you make that aha moment or you have that aha moment in your head and you're like, I get it now, that's when you can start to ask yourself the important question, which is how should I define success moving forward? on my own individual terms. And then you can sit back and take a deep breath and really start unpacking what success looks like for you, which I've studied for years and I've got a definition, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. Yes. But there is a, you, but you, but you have to start with the, what I'm doing is not getting me the result I want or you won't change, simply won't happen. I really love this idea of kind of doing a self audit backwards in time and saying, wait, what were those things that, I used to want and I either got them or didn't get them. And, you know, did, did that matter? Did that define success at that time? You know, and, and, you know, I, I sat there trying to think about for myself, what would that mean? And, um, you know, I was having a, I, I, without taking more time to sit there and do it, like I was actually having a hard time coming up with that. And I think a lot of us do. I think we don't necessarily pause enough to do reflection time. I think that's probably part of the self-sabotage we're doing to ourselves in this area. Yeah. Well, think about it. What are you being productive when you're self-reflecting? No, you're, <laughs> you're, you're not in a whole, right. heaven forbid, we're not productive. You're not producing something of worth. It'd almost be like an oxymoron where mm -hmm. it's like, what do you mean I need to stop working to get more work done? or to get right. better work done, or to get the right work done, or all of the above. That's exactly what reflection does, though, is mm -hmm. it clarifies the vision backwards as well as forwards, so it is of worth. It's almost, in a sense, like, you know, how people hate meetings. It's mm -hmm. almost like having a meeting with yourself. And there, meetings can be very necessary and very meaningful and very important, if done right, if done well. Oh, sure. So <laughs> that's what this would be. That's what reflection is. People, I mean, I need to. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm preaching mm -hmm. to myself. I'm saying, look, Eric, meetings and reflection, sitting down, you with yourself and actually taking that time is going to smooth out bumps that and, and, and roadblocks and things that and, and, and illuminate things and give self-awareness that you're not even aware is possible yet. How can yeah. that be a bad thing? No, it isn't a bad thing, but it, it goes, it is, if you're right-handed, it's like going out and trying to play tennis with your left hand. It yes. feels, it feels very awkward because as achievers, we're wired to believe I've got to be doing something. And that's, it's simply not true. There has to be a deep breath. When, when I did, when I was doing the research for the book and, and, and thinking about this concept of success. I did, obviously, you, you want to learn from the people that are the best, who understand success and how to define it better than anyone. Well, what do you do in this in this area? It makes the most sense to go to people towards the end of their life. Because people towards the end of their life have something called perspective because they've lived longer and they can see the whole picture. Whereas someone who's 20 can't see a picture or 40 who can't see the picture. So if you're 80, 
and you're on, you're checking your way out. I'm not disparaging 80 year olds out there, but if you're whatever age it is and you're on your way out, you look back and you can say to yourself, okay, what was really important? And it's cliched, but it's a cliche for a reason. It's never, I wish I would have worked more. Never. I wish I would have earned more. Never. I wish I would have achieved more. Never. It's always things like, I wish I would have enjoyed it more. I wish I would have spent time with the people I love more. And I think the experts on success are the people who've lived the longest because they've got the greatest perspective. Yeah, exactly. And they've, they've had that time where, you know, over time, even if they've not intentionally looked back, they've had more time to look back at least briefly. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah, no doubt. So, so and if you ask one of them, what's more important in your life, reflecting and asking yourself how things are going or achieving more, they would always say reflecting. It's hard for us to believe that's the right thing to do when we're in the middle of it. And I'm old enough now to even at this middle age uh, point to already start to feel some of the, oh, I'm this far in. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to make sure I do things that count. I want to make sure I do things that matter. But what does that mean for me? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I've had a clue here and there. Uh, Maybe I need to take more time and figure that out. And I can only imagine, you know, as you get older, that compounds. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. This show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. There are job sites that make you wait for the right candidates to apply for your job. Not smart. But you know what is smart? Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash beyond to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates first. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash beyond. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash beyond. ZipRecruiter.com slash beyond. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Let's take a little bit of a peek here into what you decided or what you defined success as for you and unpack that a little bit. You bet. Um, There are hundreds and thousands of definitions of success out there, and I don't think one is right or one is wrong, and they're, they're all unique to different people. What I attempted to do was to build a definition where I could not poke holes in it, and by that I mean, Eric, build a definition where I thought this truly is success because it encapsulates everything that psychologists and people who've got the most perspective can truly tell us is linked towards this feeling of contentment or joy or happiness, which ultimately is what we're searching for when we think success. Um, So after doing all that research, I came up with really three very simple concepts. Success is the ability to which I am utilizing my unique talents, okay? Am I doing what I was wired to do in life because everyone is uniquely wired? Am I developing meaningful relationships with the, you know, the people that care the most, whom I care the most about? And then finally, am I enjoying the journey? And if I'm doing the things I was wired to do, building meaningful relationships, 
and taking the time to enjoy the journey and just kind of self-reflecting and enjoying the journey each day and day in and day out, then I'm probably having a lot of success when I'm doing that. If I'm not doing those things, I'm not having success. I think ultimately what we need to do here is unpack uh, the three of these because I think these are really good. Like these could almost be universal. Again, it's it's definitive towards you. This is your definition and not everybody should just take this and say, nope, that's my definition now too. I right, mean, yeah. Make your own make your own, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but these are good ones, you know, good pieces of a definition definitely Mm -hmm. to start with. Uh, they're, they're very similar to, uh, the things that I hold as success for myself. So first off the, the definition where it has to deal with, uh, you know, utilizing your unique abilities, like Mm -hmm. leaning into your strengths. In other words, what you're uniquely qualified to do, what your, talents are what your passion is what you're interested in Mm -hmm. um that's great i i love that i mean again that's what i'm trying to continually do and i'm as i'm you know my daughter is a teenager she just uh started she's she's talented in in art she also likes to tell people what to do (laughs) a lot so does my daughter yeah and i'm like you know she could either she could go a couple of different ways here like one she'd be a great teacher I think she mm-hmm. would have fun telling kids what to do um, and telling, you know, she'd be an English teacher, actually. Or she could go another route completely and maybe be an art teacher or an artist in and of itself. You know, I don't know. that she's, She definitely has talent in, in drawing. She's way better than me and uh, even photography. And and I'm so this is constantly on my mind, this whole idea of, you know, what your talents are, what your abilities are, what you are passionate about. Well, like, you know, it's not just about what you can do good. It's about what you want to do so right you know so i took this there's a guy whose first name is uh mihail and i can't produce his last name but it's a very long last name and it talks about this concept of something called flow and he did a lot of research about this we're trying to get to a state of flow which he defined as i I lose time i'm so in it and i enjoy it so much that it is such a great place to be and what we all want to do is we want to get into that place and you've been there at some point in your life and i've been there and you're the people who are listening have all been there we've all done something whether it was you know art or or running a meeting or whatever it is and you're just like this is what i was made to do now i'm not saying that if you're 52 years old and you have two kids in college you should quit your job and go start a band with your buddies in your garage <laughs> but we all have got to scratch the itch in some way, shape, or form and get to a place where we are utilizing our unique skills just a little bit. There are episodes, whole episodes of, that I've done uh, on this specific topic. So I think, you know, I won't belabor it anymore, but there's definitely something to, again, hitting pause, taking stock, reflecting, like we talked about earlier, on mm-hmm. these things. Because if you don't, you can go down the wrong path for a long time before you realize you're even on the wrong path. That's not to say that time spent on a different path isn't experiences you can then bring back to the right path. Right. Want to be clear. So no doubt, no doubt. Absolutely. No doubt. Uh, you, you also mentioned relationships. I think there's a really cool, really small piece in the book that deals with this, mm-hmm. um, specifically the way that you refer to it, which is MIPs. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So there are uh, a psychologist told me once years and years ago, I was having trouble with my clients. I was, I was asking and I asked the psychologist, how do, how do I make these people enjoy their lives more? I'm helping them make more money and it's not doing the trick. And he told me life is only about relationships. And his point was that, and there's 
a boatload of studies to back this up. The quality of the, your relationships with the people that, you, that matter the most to you is going to determine how much you enjoy your life. And, and we know it to true. I mean, if you think about the most important events of your life, you're going to always associate those with human beings. It's just the way it is. If I asked you, Eric, who did you call first on 9-11, a name would pop up and it would not be your coworker. It would be a spouse or a parent or your best friend, people that your brain just connects to because these are the most important people in my life. And so what I say, MIPs, who are the most important people in your life? Are you doing the things you need to do to connect with them in a meaningful way and to deepen these relationships? Because that is truly going to make you feel successful if you do that in in, in a really intentional fashion. So I got to ask, like, what are some of the ways that you have identified those people as well as then are making sure they are the most important people in your life, not just in title, but in Mm -hmm. actions? Well, it's different for everyone, but in theory, it should be your family. And if it's not your family, there's some other therapy you might need to undergo at that point. (laughs) But, you know, it's your wife and your children. That is pretty much, you know that for me, wife and children. Then it's your parents. And then it's, you know, brothers and sisters. And then once you get out of that immediate family, typically people go to friends. The way that I've defined it, they're the people that I know I can count on. And they're the people that they know they can count on me. This... This next piece of advice here is backed up by no data, but I have a belief that you cannot maintain more than six or seven extremely close friend relationships. That doesn't mean you don't have hundreds of friends, but these are the people that are extremely close. So I've done a whole bunch of things. My friends think I'm a whack job, but every year for the last eight years, I've written these seven or eight guys or six or seven, whatever it ends up being a thank you note and thanking them for being such a great friend. I do it every year uh, within the first work of the first week of every new year. And then they email me right away and say they got my love letter and give me tons of crap about it. But I want them to know how critical their relationship is to me. And when I'm laying out my week, I make sure that I have time for them. I call them, I follow up with them. I make certain that I do that just with the people that are closest to me so that there is never a doubt you are the most important people to me. And our friendship is probably more important than just about anything other than my family. That's great. Yeah. That the taking that time, uh, even when they make fun of you for it, nonstop. Uh, but that's kind of, kind of the point, right? Like they know, I, I mean, again, it's, it's kind of almost like a brotherly thing is like, yeah, no yeah. Doubt. you know, it's like brotherly wrestling in other words. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. And this year was different too. So in 2017, um, I, my parents both passed away very suddenly, both of them. And um, so I had never lost anyone. And so when you lose a parent very suddenly, there is that big, oh, I wish I would have said this or, oh, I wish I would have said that. You know, people have that experience of I, we, I couldn't say what I wanted to say. I didn't because my parents and I would say that to each other all the time. I mean, we were very close. I would tell them how much they meant to me in almost a sloppy, overly sentimental way all the time. And so now I miss them tremendously and it was quite a shock, but they knew how I felt about them. Never a doubt about it because I was very intentional about the kind of relationship that I had with them and how important they were to me. My mother's still around. My father is not, hasn't been for a while. Um, but yeah, you you realize later on that uh, it's the trite cliche of you don't know what you got till it's gone. And, you know, he wasn't a great father, but even so Mm -hmm. I miss the fact that I can't 
sure. like try and do stuff, you know? So mm-hmm. I hear you. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, I, I guess, re- you know, life being all about relationships is another one of those things. And of course that's one of those, you know, I mean, if anybody's watched that most recent, uh, Disney movie, uh, what is it called? Uh, Christopher Robin. Did you happen to see that movie? I did not. Is it good? Uh, I think it's okay. I, I think, okay. but the, the, I mean, it's, it's exactly the message of the, the movie is, you know, it jives exactly with what we're talking about. So you probably ought to see it just okay. to make sure that you have that, uh, you know, in your arsenal. You probably could do a couple podcast episodes or something about it. I love it, that. No doubt. So there you go. Um, my, my family loved it. Again, it was the obvious, like, oh, Christopher Robin grew up and forgot that what's important in life is friends and family and, and all that. And he's, <laughs> You know, feels stuck working for the man, and then he he learns his lesson because Pooh comes back, and that's I mean that's what the trailer basically tells you, right. and and that's what the movie is. Um, okay. maybe a little schmaltzy here and there, but like for the most part, it was it was funny. But it tells a good story. Yeah. So so what we're talking about here isn't necessarily something new per se, except for the fact that it's easy to forget. Common sense as what's funny. One of the things my dad always did say uh, was common sense isn't very common. So, oh, oh, yeah. You know, if you got an award in the in your local business periodical for being the best friend, we would all work on being better friends. But because it's so hard to recognize and you can't put it in a spreadsheet, we don't focus on it. Yeah, it's not a widget that you can just like crank and say like No doubt. Okay, I did this, you know, I got this many more friend points today. So Yeah, you can't do it. Can't measure it. Very hard. That's actually another one of the draws to social media. It's like, hey, you can be social with people and have it uh, you know, ooh, I got all these likes because I Exactly right. So Exactly right. Oh gosh. So then the last piece and and actually I think there's actually one more in listening to your podcast there's one other thing that I think I do unpack it a little bit yeah, yeah. there's there, but there's one there's one piece here let's talk about and then the other additional piece um okay. which is uh enjoying the journey which you know that that in and of, that in and of itself I think when I listen to you talking about this on your show that enjoying the journey to you means there's never necessarily an arrival point it's a series of events and then you move and, and you move on to the next thing, not in a bad way, but in a good way. And enjoy yeah, enjoy the ride along the way, apparently. Oh yeah. I mean, and of course, who am I the first one to say this? No, I'm the right. four billionth person to say this. <laughs> it's not new, but it is so it's so critical because the truth is, is the glass is always half empty or half full. It completely depends on your perspective. I was, this just happened last week. I was moaning and groaning about some frustrating things in my business, minor things, but I was just, and I had myself all worked up into moaning and groaning. One of my clients came in and we were having this conversation and he told me that his 54 year old best friend was suffering from a debilitating disease and only had a couple years to live. I literally took a deep breath and I thought, really CJ, you're complaining about some tiny items in your business. Let's keep things in perspective. And if you're not intentionally focused on enjoying the journey, you c- 10 years can go by and you'll just look back and go, holy crap, I outachieved everyone, but I didn't enjoy it. Well, why outachieve everyone if you're not going to enjoy it? You know, we're, we're on this planet for a very short period of time and it is our responsibility to find the good in every single day. Because it's there if you look hard enough, right? I mean, it's always there. There are some days, Eric, you don't want to do podcasts. Let's be clear. And you, and you, But then you, after you're done with a podcast or at the end of the day, you'll have a moment. You'll be like, that was pretty good. 
our goal is to try and enjoy it while we're in the middle of it to the best of your ability. Okay. Yeah. But if you, it's, it's, it's a critical intentional part of this definition, because if you don't do it, it, why live, right? If you're not going to enjoy it, why live at all? Yeah. So then the other key piece here is something that I heard you mention kind of as an add on. I think it's, it's almost like an overarching piece to all three of these pieces. It's the, you know, the utilizing your, your abilities, your, your unique abilities, the, uh, the MIPs, the most important people building meaningful relationships and, and then the enjoying the journey, which we were just talking about. It's this idea of making meaningful progress on your goals. And mm-hmm. that kind of overarches across all three of those. Really. Sure. Yeah. And again, we, every human being on the planet knows that setting a goal works. Uh, our brains are functionally wired to achieve just about anything we want to achieve so long as we're focused on something. And when we're not focused on something, we're just aimlessly moving about. So there's one thing to be obsessed with goals and then there's another thing to be purposefully moving in a direction of something. And if you're not purposefully moving in a direction of something, you're going to eventually get frustrated by spinning your wheels. And so we've got to, we've got to be clear about, you know, Covey says, begin with the end in mind. We've always got to be clear about why am I doing this? Why am I doing a podcast today? Why do I have clients? Why do I go to the gym? Why do I do anything that I do? There has to be a purpose that we're driving for, or it's just spinning our wheels in activity. And if you do that, you're going to really get frustrated, which is going to make enjoying the journey almost impossible. And I know it, it can sound almost uh, counterintuitive or cold and calculating to say, um, what are my goals in my meaningful relationships? How, how can you have a goal with a relationship? A relationship's a relationship. It's not a, right. it's not a project. But actually, Think about it in terms of like, let me, let me give you an example. So I know of a person who, uh, I think they've been married about the same time that I have. So about 15, 16 years now. And I read in, again, ironically, social media that they've almost done a, uh, date night every week of their marriage. And I thought that's a great goal to have. And then I'm like, Oh, that's a goal. Wait a Absolutely. second, you know, like <laughs> it's not, it's not like a, you know, it's, it's not like, um, I don't know. I, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, don't break the chain. You know, we've, we've, well, we've all heard this where it's Seinfeld's, you know, don't break the chain mentality, mm-hmm. but it's also like, wait a second. You, if you break the chain, you just start a new one and you just keep going. Yeah. And so I, I think people don't realize like, like we were talking about earlier about like friend points and how that's not really something that's mm-hmm. possible, but you can have uh, goals. You can have growth, in other words, in relationships. You won't, you know, and you can define what that would be mm-hmm. ideally with that other person collectively. Like you both decide. Uh, I totally know? agree. I, so, I think it's a big part of relationships. I really do. So I write that letter every year. That's a goal. I make certain nice, I do things with my friends. I have a group of guys I hang out with every Friday morning for breakfast and we talk about faith in our life. That was a goal. Um, we do not do date nights nearly as much as we should, but we do them more often because we set a goal to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is all driven by some overarching achievement that we're trying to go for so that we're purpose driven in our activity. Exactly. So, and, and I agree, I'm, I'm in the same boat with like 
we've not done date nights near as much as we wanted to. Uh, we've been trying to, to make it happen. And, you know, our kids are at the point now where it's like, Hey, we could actually go to the movie theater or, or anything else for that matter. Um, <laughs> <them at> home. <laughs> with my daughter being old enough to, to watch the two of them. So, and if we're just around in town, but that's the kind of thing is like, it's seasonal. Sometimes some of these things are going to be seasonal. And again, that's part of enjoying the journey. Really? Completely. You, so. you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. You know, every, some days everything is going to go exactly as you plan some things. Some days it isn't. Our responsibility is to enjoy this journey to the very best of our ability. Yeah. So then, uh, going back and applying this, you know, meaningful progress towards your goals, towards utilizing your unique abilities. This is interesting where it's like, maybe you're not in a, position or a job or a role or whatever you want to call it, where you are using that, where can you then start to make goals that are going to bring you closer to using those things? It's it's tricky. But for example, I wish, so I'm in corporate America, let's say, and I always wish I was a teacher. Well, teach Bible study, coach a youth soccer team, something of that nature. Um, I always wanted to be a musician. Well, take guitar lessons, do something to scratch the itch outside of your job. Uh, because the itch isn't going away. And if you don't scratch it a little bit, part of you is going to feel like you're leaving something on the table. And so you've got to look for another outlet. Now, for some of you, it might be changing your career. It might be, you know, you might be a place where you're like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to completely change my career and go in a different direction. It was that way for me at the age of 33. Now, I get a lot of credit for being this massive, courageous risk taker. I wasn't. It was right before my son was born. If I had waited until after he was born, I would have never done it. I didn't have the courage to do it. So it just is a life, it's a, it's a position of your life where you make the decision to do or not do it. But even if you can't change a career, scratch it some other way, get creative and figure out how you can do it. You know, join a book club, go on trips more often, whatever it is, scratch that itch a little bit. So you feel like you're getting a little bit more of, uh, of what it is that, that you're wired to do. You're doing a little bit more of it. And then if it's not your career and you see others that it is their career, Resist the urge as best you can to be super envious and say, this is where I'm at for whatever reason, and I'm going to do the best I can to enjoy this deck of cards that I've been given called my life. And the other piece, especially for overachievers, it can be a nice, enjoyable, even restful break, even if it's highly active. Like even if you're, you know, even if you have a passion for, say, running something super physically active and you're not doing it enough or, or at all uh, getting out there and doing that. Or if it's, if you know, even if your, your, your day job is mentally taxing, but to use a different part of your brain for creativity in some sense, that's going to hone your brain and give you rest in the one side while the other side is, is working, so to speak. So no yeah. doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt. Well, CJ, it's been awesome talking with you. I can't wait. Actually, we should, we should probably mention one, people should go grab the book, The Overachiever's Dilemma. Mm -hmm. Um, is there, how to break the achievement obsession before it breaks you. There's much more in the book, dives a lot deeper than even this conversation goes, which is great. Um, any specific place you'd like to direct people to grab that? Uh, you know what? I would just say go to Amazon. You okay. can just go ahead to Amazon and type my name in or type that gigantic title in and you're going to definitely find the book. Cool. And I'll link it up in the show notes there oh, as well as your podcast. So talk to people a little bit, you know, uh, if, if people want to continue on in this conversation and listen to you talk some more, I'd love to point them over to where they can find that 
show. Bet. So I, you can go to coachcj.com and uh, it, up in the upper right-hand corner, there is just a link for podcasts. And I've got a podcast called Success 2.0. And it is all about kind of this concept of how do I redefine success and live a little bit differently. And all most all or most of our conversations are with folks or or on my own at times. And we're just talking about, okay, how do I live more intentionally? How do I utilize my unique talents? How do I keep things in perspective? And, and it's just a lot about some of these concepts that we talk about today. And if you shoot over to coachcj.com, you'll definitely find that link and be able to listen to those podcasts. And of course, like everyone else, I got a million uh, episodes out there and you can download and listen to any of them if you like. Great. Yeah. I, I, I've listened to some of the episodes, uh, to get a feel for, you know, your conversational style and things like that, doing my homework for this show. And, and I gotta say, I really enjoyed it. So I appreciate I, that. Thanks. I, I highly recommend if you enjoyed this conversation, you definitely want to go check out CJ's podcast. So, uh, I'll link that up in the show notes as well. And, and again, CJ, thanks so much for being here. This has been great talking with you. Hey, yeah, I really appreciate it, Eric. I really do. It's It's been a blessing for me as well. So for me, my takeaway from this episode really is to have more pre-planned intervals of reflection put in place, as well as uh, to even take a page from the last time that I talked with Cal Newport and how he was talking about the use of social media or the lack thereof and how that plays into uh, keeping the comparison trap at bay. I know I still do that sometimes, maybe too often, uh, but again, I'm and I'm really looking forward to uh, talking with Cal Newport again um, next year about his next book, Digital Minimalism book that comes out early next year. And you'll all get to hear that, obviously. Um, but yeah, being able to put boundaries or put, uh, I should say, buffer zones and strategies in place when it comes to using social. But even then, if you're not coming into social with the right mindset, and even when you see other people's, you know, good moments, highlight moments, I mean, that's better off than seeing their negative stuff and, you know, all the politics and things like that, right? Uh, even if you'd go into social with a positive outlook and you're looking for the good stuff, um, you still have to have your own house in order mentally, emotionally, <laughs> et cetera, so to speak. When you are viewing other people's stuff so that you can be happy for them, that you can cheer them on, uh, that you're not, in other words, making that comparison trap, falling into it. It's a trap. So uh, that's my takeaway. I, I, for me, I have to put more of a an effort in, more of a strategy in place in terms of that comparison trap. And the way to do that is to not have anything that I really have to be comparing to. I can have my chosen people that I look to for inspiration and for guidance and for uh, accountability. But beyond that, I don't have to have a comparison made at all. So what about you? What are you going to take away from this episode? I'd love to hear from you. Head on over to beyondthetodolist.com slash 247. Jump into the show notes and let me know. While you're there, check out ZipRecruiter. Thanks again, ZipRecruiter, for supporting this episode. You can post on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash beyond. And if this is your first episode, welcome. I hope you enjoyed it. If you know of someone who needs to hear these episodes, hit the share button to let somebody else know about this episode. Subscribe if you haven't. We've got a huge back catalog for you. Tons of great episodes coming up. And with that, I will see you next episode.
Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.